The reading today is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. Jesus teaches Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for you could not perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with you. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. How can anyone be born in old age? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sounds, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Angie. It was, um, thanks. Those were lovely songs this morning. I felt that they almost preached the sermon for me, and I'm very thankful for them. Let's just pray together. Oh, Lord our God, we pray that you would open our eyes to see something of the glory of Christ, and the wonder of belonging to him and to you, the living God. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit, fill us with your life, that we may rejoice in you and live to your glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Invitation to new life. Those of us in the Christchurch reading group 
were reading a book recently called In Order to Live by Yeonmi Park. She was a young lady who lived, was brought up in North Korea in extraordinary hard circumstances of hunger and of fear. And as a teenager, she and her mother managed to escape from North Korea, or it seemed an escape at first, but in fact they were trafficked into China to be sold off as wives to farmers. And she was just a young teenager at the time. Eventually, with the help of some Christian missionaries, she managed to escape from China and eventually arrived in South Korea and her mother as well. And they were astonished at the life that they had there in South Korea, where people threw things out as rubbish and no longer needed, which they would gather up from the streets and use in their house. They were astonished that people threw food away when they had been desperate just for something to eat. It was a new life that they could hardly come to terms with. Jesus, in this passage, invites us into new life, a radical new life, quite different from the old, and even more wonderful than escaping from North Korea into the South. Let's look together at this passage. A man named Nicodemus goes to meet with Jesus. We read that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. I wonder what picture springs into your mind when you hear that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Perhaps you're saying in your mind, hypocrite. I don't believe that Nicodemus was a hypocrite. But he was a Pharisee. He was a man who was learned in the Jewish scriptures. He knew all about the promises God made to Abraham. He knew the way in which God had saved his people from slavery in Egypt and brought them into the promised land. He knew how God had given them the law, how God had established a kingdom in the time of David, when God himself ruled over his people through an anointed king. But all of that had been lost, lost through disobedience. And he longed for the day when the kingdom would be restored to Israel. And he reasoned like this, if it had been lost through the disobedience of the Jewish people, then surely if they would only be obedient to God's law in every little aspect, God would restore the kingdom to us. And so he was careful, careful to obey all the laws of God, even hedging them around with, with extra things of his own to make sure that he never transgressed God's law. And he sought to persuade other people to be obedient to God's law in every detail. That was what they did as Pharisees, longing for the kingdom to be restored. 
But then he met or came across Jesus. And he couldn't understand what was going on. For here was a man who'd not grown up as he had in detailed training in the Jewish law. And yet the things he said and the things he did demonstrated that the living God was with him. And Nicodemus wanted to know more. He wanted to know what was going on and he wanted what Jesus had got. And so he came to the Lord Jesus. You teach things from God, he says. And Nicodemus wants to learn of Jesus. But Jesus answers him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. That was a shock to Nicodemus. And how did it answer his great longing? Nicodemus was looking for the day when God would come and visit his people. And he was so careful about law keeping and trying to get everyone else to keep the law that it was a kind of great burden upon their shoulders. But Jesus showed a different spirit. And now he's talking about being born again. He doesn't understand it. Jesus is saying to him, you've got it all wrong, Nicodemus. You haven't understood. And most, perhaps, awful of all for Nicodemus, Jesus is saying, you haven't understood the Hebrew Scriptures, the very things you profess to study. For hadn't God said in the book of Jeremiah and chapter 31 concerning the new covenant, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. The word of God, the prophecies of the Hebrew scriptures, have promised that the day would come when God would institute a new covenant, when God would restore his people, not through their careful law-keeping, but through the work of his spirit in their hearts, drawing them back to him. Or again, in Ezekiel, I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all countries and bring you back into your land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all the impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws.
God promises to do this in the day he pours out his spirit afresh upon his people. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, that day is arriving right now. The spirit is already on the move. He is moving uh, as he did at the dawn of creation, as the spirit hovered over the waters and brought life into being. So now the spirit is moving and bringing new life to people. Haven't you eyes to see it? The things that the scriptures promised? But Nicodemus can't see it. He's caught up on the words that Jesus has spoken. How can someone be born when he is old, he asks. He thinks it's quite absurd. How can somebody enter again into his mother's womb and be born? It's just nonsense. He can't understand it. And Jesus replies, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Now these words have caused much controversy, and I'm not going into that this morning, except to say, I think Jesus is talking about the contrast between human birth and normal human birth and the new birth, which is by the Spirit. I well remember, I haven't told my wife I was going to say this, so excuse me, but um, I well remember the day our first child was born, Abigail, Father's Joy. It was early one morning. We were lying in bed when my wife said to me, my waters have broken. And I knew that because the bed was wet. And uh, she was calm. She said, we need to go to the hospital. And I was all in a panic. But we got there. And in due course, our daughter was born. And uh, very conscious when a child is born that that child has been nurtured and has grown in the medium of water, or to be more exact, amniotic fluid. That's the medium in which it grows and out of which it is born with that rush of water and comes into the world kicking and screaming and alive. Praise God. And Jesus is saying, well, you need to be born of water, but you need also to have spiritual life. You need to be born of the Spirit. That new life of the Spirit is one that is nurtured by the Spirit, in which you grow in the Spirit and are born to new life in the Spirit. It's being born again into spiritual life and coming out into that life praising God, full of life and thankfulness. Jesus is speaking of the way in which the presence and life of the kingdom is the result of the Spirit's work, bringing that life into being. I don't know whether any of you uh, liked watching, I haven't seen it for a while, World's Strongest Man. Do you remember when those men were 
required to pull a lorry along a track and it, towards the end it went up a little and they, daft people, were, were on a rope pulling this lorry along. Contrast that with a Ferrari that shoots along with an engine within it that gives it that motive power. Now you see, Nicodemus was like that world's strongest man contestant. Poor man, he was trying to haul along all the weight of the law-keeping, not just for himself, but the whole of the people of Israel. He wanted them to be obedient to every one of those laws. And it was hard work, a burden to them, which they could not manage. And Jesus says, you need to be like a Ferrari. Well, not quite, but he's saying, you need the power within you. That engine of the Holy Spirit in your life as the motivating power of everything that will enable you to please God, not to earn something from him, but out of thankful joy for all he's done for you. You need to be born again, Nicodemus. You need to know the life of the Spirit within you. Nicodemus, poor fellow, is still confused. He says, how can this be? And Jesus says, you're an eminent teacher in Israel. You know these scriptures. Do you not understand them? How can people have that new life? Jesus says, in contrast to Nicodemus' ignorance, despite his searching of the scripture, I can tell you about these things because I have authority. I have come from heaven. I can speak with the authority of the living God. And then he tells Nicodemus how these things can be in some rather strange words in verses 14 and 15. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Again, he's referring to things that Nicodemus would have known very well because Nicodemus knew the Old Testament scriptures. And Jesus is referring to an incident that you can find recorded in the book of Numbers where God had brought his people out of slavery in Egypt but they, going through the wilderness, continually grumbled against God. And God sent snakes to bite them. And many of them died. And God told Moses, make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and stand it up in the camp. And whoever looks at that snake on a pole will live. And Jesus says, that's a picture of what is to happen to me. We all are by nature rebels against God fallen short of all that we should be. But the judgment that we deserve fell on the head of the Lord Jesus Christ when he hung upon the cross at Calvary, when he was lifted up from the earth. And as we look to
to him, trusting in him, we live, we have life, eternal life, that nothing and no one can ever take away. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not be condemned but have eternal life. In place of judgment, God's love brings us salvation. In place of having to keep the law in all its meticulous detail to win God's favour, God has shone his grace into our lives and forgiven us freely through Jesus and has opened our eyes to see the wonder of salvation in the Lord Jesus through the work of his spirit within that makes us love him and gladly seek to please him in all that we do. This is what it means to be born again, to know the Spirit at work in our hearts, filling us with joy and peace in believing, freeing us from slavery, and making us children of the living God, knowing that we are loved and that nothing can ever sever us from that love. Jesus' invitation into new life is universal. God so loved the world. It's a universal invitation. Indeed, God's love isn't confined even to us human beings in the world. It embraces the whole of his creation, as we've been reminded this morning, and we will celebrate at harvest time with a remembrance that the world is the Lord's and he loves it. But that invitation is universal and it comes to each one of us this morning. Look to Christ. Look to his death for sin and his risen power, to his ascended life. Trust in him and know that life in yourself. And if you haven't done that before, do that this morning. Trust in him and know freedom in him. But because it's a universal invitation, it's one that you should not only treasure for yourself, but you should pass on to others. It's for them as well. Tell others of the blessings of knowing the living God through the Lord Jesus Christ and the freedom he brings, that others too might be drawn to him and know the blessing of new life in him. May God help us to do that for his name's sake.